Hello, dog lovers, and welcome to Mutts with Manners Canine Academy podcast, where we'll share dog training tips and educational information to help you raise your pup, young or old, so they can be a loving part of your family and your community for life. I'm your host, Corey McCusker, canine coach, and today I'm thrilled to have with me Karen Baxter, dog trainer and dog behavior consultant. Let me tell you a bit about our guest today, Karen Baxter. Karen Baxter has loved dogs all her life and feels privileged that she has the ideal job, following her lifelong passion and working with dogs. Beginning her professional career with dogs over 20 years ago, Karen brings an experience and joy to her work that can be felt by each dog and dog owner that she works with, regardless of the size of the breed of the dog. Karen's training philosophy is one size does not fit all. And true to the unified canine difference, it tailors her training protocols and or treatment plans to the needs of the dog and the lifestyle and goals of the dog's owner. Her positive and fair techniques are designed to bring out enthusiasm in each dog so they love to learn training, which results in building stronger relationships with their humans based on trust. Karen has participated in various training programs over several years, preparing her for her career in dog training. She is a certified professional dog trainer, having passed the knowledge assessment examination through the Certification Council for the Professional Pet Dog Trainers. She is a graduate of the Animal Behavior College Certified Dog Training Program. Karen has also studied and completed training on the practical application of behavior adjustment training for fearful, anxious, and aggressive dogs, and aggressive dog conflict resolution with behaviorist and author Cheryl Smith. Her most recent accomplishments, including the Master Aggression Course with world-renowned behavior consultant and expert on dog aggression, Michael Shikashio, and she is currently completing her diploma in canine behaviorology with a specialty in working with aggressive dogs. Karen has also worked with local animal shelters and rescue organizations to assist in the care and rehabilitation of the rescue dogs who are usually suffering from trauma and stress-related behavior issues. Her continuing education and experience has ensured Karen has developed expertise in dog psychological issues manifesting themselves as anxiety or aggression. Karen's training specialty, including rally obedience, agility, working dogs tracking, scent work, and puppy foundations are all some of the things that she has done. She's a member of the International Association of the Animal Behavior Consultants, the Agility Association of Canada, the Canadian Association for Professional Dog Trainers, and is certified in pet first aid and CPR. Karen lives in York region with her dogs, most of which compete in obedience, agility, and rally obedience. Her dogs have reached master levels in all the sports. Karen, that is quite <laughs> the resume, I'm going to say, but I'm just glad I shared all of that because it just shows the investment that you've made in the dog world and your commitment to helping dogs and, and especially the ones with the behavior. So welcome, Karen. Well, thank you, Corey. Thank you. So Karen and I, we, how did we meet? If I look back, we came across each other because I had opened my facility in York yep. region and I was looking to explore who could be in my network to help me. Um, right. I'm a dog trainer and I think we're going to talk about the difference between what you do and what I do. 
And I really wanted to have somebody, one that I could contact with, but I also uh, rescued a puppy named Sky. And Sky was having some issues, you know, walking, um, a little bit scared of um, truck sound. She was really hearing sensitive. So you were running a leash clinic and I reached out to you and that's how I really got to know you. And, and I love the, the clinic that you ran. It really helped Thank me you. with Sky. Yeah. And, and now um, I have you in my back pocket whenever I have any of my dogs that I need to, not my own personal dogs, but my clients' dogs that need help because uh, like some of the things that you are working with the fear and the anxiousness and the aggression. Let's talk about the difference between a dog trainer and a behavioralist. So Karen, can you explain that? Sure, Ken. Absolutely. And it's a really, really good question. I think a lot of people get confused by the difference between what's a dog trainer versus there's actually three different positions. One would be a dog trainer. One is a behavior consultant and the other one would be a veterinary behaviorist. So the difference is the way I like to describe it is training is like working and teaching dogs how to work like, like a task. You're teaching them a task. So like sit is a task. I'm teaching the dog how to do a sit right uh, down is a task. So it's more about teaching the dogs how to do something specifically. Mm -hmm. Behavior consulting is like a human psychologist. I have this issue. I need to learn coping skills or I need to learn how to do something. Okay? And the, the psychologist will then teach you skills that help you cope with your anxiety or cope with you know, your reactions to things. Right. So it's about changing the emotional response of the dog in a situation. So it can take a little longer. You need to have a more in-depth knowledge of dog psychology in order to make it happen. So that's really what a behavior consultant does. A veterinary behaviorist is actually a veterinarian who has continued their education quite extensively, I might add, usually at least a couple of years past what a typical vet would go to school for. They're really the equivalent to um, a psychiatrist. So like, we, you know, so... I'm a human and I have an issue, I might go to a psychologist, but if it's a really serious issue that has like chemical imbalances and, you know, physiological responses as well, you know, I'm going to go to a psychiatrist who's able to help me with the medical side as well as the psychological side. So dogs have all three as well. And so depending on the issue, they might just need some training, right? They just need to learn some structure and some boundaries and, you know, and that's can be, it's enriching for the dog because you're mentally challenging them. That could be good. You know, but if their reactions are to something in the environment are more from an emotional standpoint, then you might need a behavior consultant who can help that dog learn, you know, and help the people work with the dog to learn coping skills so they can cope with the environment. And then some dogs have such a strong chemical reaction in their body to something that's going on, you know, something that's happened in you know, a trauma or something that they might need some medical assistance as well. So then you need to go to a veterinary behaviorist in order to get that done. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I, I mean, uh, I just love how you put the analogy in there because I think that will really help people understand, you know, the difference, but also that sometimes their dogs, like dogs need more than just training. I mean, I get approached yeah, all the time because they think, oh, you're a trainer, so you can help fix it. And it's like, okay, well, there might be a little bit more going on with your dog right now. So um, yeah. and like, it, it may lot, not just be, okay, I'm going to teach your dog yeah. to lie down for like five <laughs> minutes and do a stay and it's going to be, you yeah. know, so yeah. no, I really like how you explain that. 
Now, can you share a story with us about one of your clients that maybe has gone through the process and you've seen some positive Uh results? Absolutely. So uh, one of my clients I work with is a little dog named Walter. He's a little corgi. So typical herding breed type dog. You know, he's quite intense and from uh, quite a young age starting at, I think I met Walter when he was seven months. So at first we just were doing regular obedience and things like that. But as he matured, right, his, he started becoming quite reactive to everything in the environment that moved. Like, so trucks, cars, people on bikes, people, dogs, everything. Right. And, you know, so it became quite distressing for his humans, right. To take this little dog out because he would violently turn and bite the leash and, you know, really just have a meltdown if he, anything moved in the environment. So anyway, so we started working with Walter on um, using behavior techniques instead of just training techniques and helping Walter develop some coping skills and learn some impulse control to help with some of his uh, triggers in the environment. So by doing so, it took us a while like because uh, behavior doesn't change. You can't change the emotions of a living creature in a, a day. It's not going to mm. work. You need time, right? So you know, it took us a while, but uh, we've been able to get Walter to be able to handle trucks, for instance, like a truck going by or people on a bike, uh, people walking, those types of things. Walter can handle no problem. Now Mm -hmm. we've taken him to public places where there's people walking and he doesn't react at all anymore to the people. He's got skills now that help him cope with those types of triggers. There are some triggers that he has that are more intense that we are taking longer to, to help him cope with dogs are particularly challenging for him because he's afraid of them. That's the Mm -hmm. reason why he reacts to the dogs. So he's a case that I actually sent him to the veterinary behaviorist. So the veterinary behaviorist is also working with Walter. And of course, then I am given that the results of the veterinary behaviorist report so that I can make sure whatever I'm doing with Walter works in cooperation with whatever the veterinary behaviorist has suggested. So Walter uh, has had some medication to help him cope a little bit better. And then we've been able to work with him with some well-balanced dogs that are not going to react to Walter and slowly introduce him to the dog in a way that Walter felt safe and that he had options. So he wasn't forced to uh, actually interact with the dog. And the whole goal for the family was that their parents had just got a new puppy and they wanted Walter to Mm. interact with this puppy and they were worried because Walter's reactions with new dogs were so terrible. So by working with my dogs and showing them how to introduce Walter to a puppy in a way that Walter would be comfortable and not feel overwhelmed, they were successfully able to integrate Walter with this puppy at her parents' house. And they've got videos and pictures of Walter and this puppy sleeping together and running together and doing all kinds of things. So it's like a super success story. And what I love about these people is they're not, they don't want to stop there. They're just, (laughs) they want to keep going and helping him develop more confidence around dogs. So we continue to work with him and other dogs and, you know, helping him with his reactions so that he has those continual coping skills when he sees dogs in the environment. So, yeah, but he's improved tremendously from tremendously. That's great. That's a great story. And I mean, I think there's two things that you pointed out is one that it takes time. 
Because I think people don't realize that it's not a quick fix. And the other thing is that the people are invested in it and they want to continue and continue helping the dog build its, I'm going to say confidence, its comfort zone around other dogs. So that's where I think all pet owners are really committed to their dogs, but sometimes they don't know what to do. And I think that's where, you know, you come in to it. They They just don't realize that, you know, in order to change the behavior of a dog, it's just like changing the behavior of a person. I actually will use the analogy of trying to change a bad habit because that's mm-hmm. one we can relate to usually mm-hmm. as people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have a bad habit of biting my nails, mm-hmm. <laughs> say, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I want to change that habit. Well, there's things that we have to do. We have to put in place for ourselves if we're trying to break a bad habit and it takes time. And sometimes it takes trial, like you'll do it for a while and then something will happen and you revert back. And exactly. And it's the the process of being committed and sticking with it that gets you to the end result where, oh, guess what? One day I just stopped biting my nails. I'm just not doing it anymore. Right. So the dog is, it's very similar. They have, it's a learned behavior that they've learned how to cope with something by reacting to it. We have to help them change that habit from exactly. reacting, which will help change their emotional response to things. Mm-hmm. And then they will develop a new skill to cope with that, which will make them feel more calm, right? Exactly. So they're not going to be as yeah. reactive, but it does yeah. take time. And people just don't realize they think it's like training, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. can go to six weeks of classes and I'm going to learn how to stop my dog from you know, freaking out when you see somebody. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Or I can get my dog to walk perfectly on leash and not pull. And it just takes like a week. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, oh, it's complicated. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So Karen, if somebody did have an issue, maybe we'll talk about some of the issues. What would be the process you go through to assess a dog and determine if you can help them? The first thing that we would do is set them up for an initial private assessment. All all our behavior cases, we work privately first. We don't put them into a class environment until we are positive. That's a good idea for that dog. So Mm -hmm. we bring them in. We uh, talk to the people. We have a questionnaire we get them to fill out first. And we talk to the people and get a really in-depth history on the dog and the dog's lifestyle and any training they've had to date or methods they've tried and a full detailed accounting of what the issues are, including Mm -hmm. examples so that we can start formulating a picture of what exactly is going on with this dog. Right. And once we have that clear picture, we will talk to the people about a treatment plan. It's like, okay. So for instance, let's say it's resource guarding, right? (laughs) Right. Okay. You know, your dog is resource guarding and, you know, so if we have a resource guarding case, Perhaps the issue is the dog's not feeling secure in their environment. Mm -hmm. So we'll Mm -hmm. first talk about safety and management because we want to make sure everybody is safe Mm -hmm. through the whole process. So the first thing you have to talk about is safety and management to make sure that they are not continually putting themselves at risk or putting the dog into a position where they have to react, right? So we'll talk about that first. And then, okay, once we've got our safety and management in place, then What techniques can we start using to help change the dog's emotional response to, you know, people approaching their food, for instance. So we will start working on building those tasks up with the people so that they can understand that this is what we got to do in a really slow, methodical way so that the dog 
is not being put into a position of all of a sudden panicking because you're coming near their food. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so we will give them a variety of different tasks to work on to start changing that dog's emotional response to people approaching. The other thing we usually do is we look at other elements of the dog's life that possibly need some boost, for instance, you know, to help build up a stronger relationship with their people or, you know, to just to build up trust in general with humans, you know, things like that. And, you know, just make the dog psychologically a little bit more well-balanced. And often sometimes just that can help a dog tremendously. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and really it's just because we don't all know exactly what a dog needs and every breed is different. Every dog is different. I was going to say, there's just so many and and we don't, we can't read their minds. They can't tell us. It's like, tell us. They, we right. can read their body language. I mean, if we're trained, yeah. but again, too, that's where um, it's, yeah, it's not easy. Okay. So that's interesting. And I will give your contact information at the end. Uh, so what are the ma- three main concerns people approach you for help with? I think you mentioned one just now. Well, well, resource guarding is one. That's definitely yeah. one. Uh, resource guarding is a natural behavior, right? Oh, we all do it. Dogs do it. Humans do it. Every living creature resource guards to some extent mm-hmm. where, people have a challenge is when the resource guarding is so intense that becomes dangerous. So, you know, so that's, that's one, it can happen quite easily and quite often. Uh, The second one I'd say is leash reactivity, leash Mm -hmm. reactivity, because that happens uh, quite a bit and it's Mm -hmm. everybody walks their dogs, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, when they take their dogs out, a dog's a lunging, pulling, barking, snarling, growling Mm -hmm. at other dogs, people, etc. while they're yep. walking their dogs that I would say is number two. And the third one, especially nowadays with, you know, the last two years of COVID and, you know, everybody being home would be separation anxiety, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So being able to leave your dog alone and not have your dog have a meltdown, right? <laughs> right. Now, yeah. Some dogs do great at it. They don't have a problem with it at all, but you get the odd dog where all of a sudden being isolated from their people is super distressing. Exactly. And they are, they just don't have the coping skills to stay on their own. So helping dogs be comfortable and okay with being on their own is I'd say the third one that is probably what we see people for the most. Yeah. And those are three I get calls all about. And like I said, I love having you on my team as a resource because uh, (laughs) now I have somebody that I can definitely refer to. I also think I would love to have you back because I think each of those, I would love to get into and dive a little bit deeper into um, those three issues and provide some tips and stuff too. Okay. So yeah, that would be great. So Karen, what is some advice or words you'd like to share with the owners listening about the behavior problems today that you just want to leave them with? Well, that's a big question. The number one thing is, this is our core philosophy at Unified. The number one thing I want people to understand is it's not their fault. That's the Mm -hmm. one thing I want Mm -hmm. people to know. It's like, we have a tendency to take on the responsibility and blame ourselves for everything that goes wrong with our dog. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you're coming to me, that means you really care about your dog and you really want to help them. Right. And you could have had 10 other dogs before the one you've got in front of you and never had an issue. And all of a sudden this particular dog has experienced the world in such a way, or has the genetic profile that just made them not able to cope with a scenario. And so could you have possibly done something to help the dog earlier? Sure. But if you don't know, then how can it be your fault? It's not Mm -hmm. your fault. It doesn't help the dog to start blaming. It's like, no, you're going to help your dog. You're coming to somebody to get that help. 
that is, you should be commended for it, not criticized. Exactly. I don't want people to feel like, you know, they should be blamed for it. They should really just look at it as, okay, let's move forward. How can we help this? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, Well, Karen, I'd love to talk to you all day, (laughs) (laughs) but I want to just thank you so much for joining us and sharing what you do and how you help. And I know we've just kind of touched on, um, but we've, I think we've given them, uh, I hope the listeners have a better understanding of the role that you play, the role I play as a trainer too, and just the difference and and that there is support out there for uh, people that do have some issues that maybe, you know, they're not sure about how to deal with it. I do want to leave people with your information and I do want to have you on again. And I want to dig deeper into this fascinating subject. For those of you listening, if you want more information, and I know you probably do about Karen, you can go to her website, www.unifiedk9.ca. And she has her Unified K9 Behavior Center that's located in York Region. So please visit her website. We will also provide that information in the show notes. And we just want to thank you, Karen, today for being with us. And I want to thank everybody listening. And if you do have thank a dog you. that thank needs you for inviting um, me. some help, yeah, if you do need it, there are people out there to help you. And at Mutts with Manners, we want to provide you with the resources that you need for you and your pup so that you can live a happy, healthy life. If you would like to learn more or listen to other podcasts, you can also visit our website. And if you have a topic that you would like us to discuss, you can email us at info at Thanks, everyone, and have a great day.